Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to our latest episode of Growing Woman. I am so thrilled to join you again for a wonderful conversation with a wonderful growing woman. Um, my name is Christina Singh, and I'm your host. And today, I am so excited to talk to Sarah Kogan, who is a costume designer um, for film and television, and she's also the founder of Set Ready Go Garment Bags. Um, and Sarah was introduced to me by uh, former guest Stephanie Vershow, who I know so many of you love. So I can't wait to talk to Sarah today about her journey and everything that uh, she's gone through and she's learned in her life. So welcome, Sarah. I'm so excited that you're here. Hi. Thanks, Christy. I'm so happy to be here. That's so great. <laughs> um, yeah, so we know each other through Stephanie, and we just met, and she was like, you guys got to connect, and, mm -hmm. and I'm so thrilled to be doing so. Um, so you are a costume designer. How yeah. long have you been in this industry? I would say it's my life's work. I started as a performer when I was a little girl at the age of like eight, decided that this is what I was going to do in my life, and then just pursued it from that point in terms of I thought I was gonna be an actor and then and performer and then in college became a costume designer and just fell in love with it and just thought it was like this is the most amazing thing ever and I also was like wow I'm surprisingly really good at this and <laughs> I like this and I'm you know here I am 15 years later and I'm still not bored and I'm even more good. passionate about what I do you know so that's really fun that's wonderful so um you just you just said you decided to do this at the age of eight. You were really yeah. interested in this at the age of eight. What sparked that? So I saw Twelfth Night when I was a little girl um, at Oregon Shakespeare Festival, which is if anyone gets a chance to go, you should go when they reopen. Yes. Um, and I just watched the show and I fell in love with Twelfth Night and the idea of performing and storytelling and what that is and and then from that moment, I made the decision that like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And this is what I want to do. So I learned how to do everything and anything I could. Like I have the most random set of skills. Like I know how to do, you know, mix mar some mixed martial arts. Um, it's like stick fighting and like Filipino <laughs> stick fighting and sword fighting, which is like basically prepping you for machete fighting. Like, you know, uh, no I, big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, you know, uh, and then I also, you know, I learned how to do box and kickbox and, uh, ride horses and trained horses for years, all for this kind of, you know, and then took acting lessons because I was like, I'm going to go be this actor. Cause that's obviously the only thing out there in the, you know, entertainment industry, right? That's what we're told about where there's the actors, the directors, mm -hmm. and that's kind of it. <laughs> right. So, so Yeah. You know, so you so that, were, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> so you were eight and yeah. you um, had this experience at mm -hmm. 12th night and that really launched into the, like a theater kid, like yeah. mode, like theater kid yeah. activate. <laughs> yeah. But, but very like, I guess this is really indicative of who I am. Like when I want something, I then also am going to go out and like methodically figure out the things that I should know how to do. So the reason I learned all those skill sets was because I was like, well, actors have to be able to do their own, know how to do stunts and know how to do basic things. So I want to be able to do those things in case a situation arises. Plus that gives me 
more to draw from and more to pull from right as an actor and as a person. So then fast forward, I'm 17. I lose my voice. I just spent my entire, like everything I did was in the service of this goal and I've lost my voice and I can't sing and I can't do anything. And I go to college and yeah, I fell into costume design and just loved it. And then realized like, I don't have to worry about what I look like. I can, you know, I have half a head of hair. Like I cut the one side really, really short. And I would never be able to do that as an actress. I would never get hired, you know, where I'd only be able to be hired as like the um, alternative girl. And so <laughs> I, you know, I mean, alternative I, girl one on the casting sheet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like that just would be really limiting in terms of what's available to me, you know. And yeah. so I, yeah, so I, but I also just, I really love what I do. Like it mixes everything that I loved about acting and then some. So like mm-hmm. I get to be a part of the entire world creation, you know, instead of just one part, one character, I'm like, I get to have conversations with every actor about their character psychology and why they, you know, and have these very much like actor conversations that I yeah. love and then move forward and have it with another person. And then, you know, and uh, get to be a part of really like servicing people's visions and dreams, which is just really kind of fun. And yeah. Speaking of that, I, I wanted to, ask you as kind of a a note when you're talking about trying all these new things and engaging in all of these experiences, because you definitely seem like you're a go-getter growing up and you wanted to experience all these things. What were your parents like and how did they support that? And what did that look like growing up? Because I know when kids are doing a lot of stuff, it usually means they have that freedom to do so, or they're, they're kind of mm-hmm. our past guest, Summer Rose negotiated with her parents to go to a bunch of life coach trainings <laughs> when she was that. like 13. And so I, I would love to learn more about kind of how your parents supported you in your endeavors. Yeah. My parents are pretty fantastic. I'm really lucky that I have been born to them. They, so as a kid, I mean, my brother and I, for example, are like pretty different and he needed nudging when he was younger. And I was like, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need you to tell me what to do. And so I kind of, he and I were very much the opposites in that way. And my parents embraced both of us in the way, you know, in that way. Yeah. And so for me, I always wanted to do a lot of things and I was fortunate that we were in a place where that was affordable and you know and my mom was willing you know I had struggled as a kid when um when I was in junior high or not junior high elementary school I had to actually leave I was bullied out of school oh wow Uh, it was pretty bad it was um and so I was bullied out of school and had to went on to like a homeschool charter school program so my mom stopped working to take care of me and like take care of that aspect and so all of these extracurricular activities that I then pursued became a big part of how I socialized with the world. And, and so also became really important for that reason. So I think that there was also a level of, well, Sarah needs to talk to people. So like, let's make sure she's doing that, you know? So, uh, you know, and my parents were really great and really supportive of all this stuff. And they really, um, stood by me with like all the things I wanted to do. I took singing lessons for years until I lost my voice and my mom 
took me everywhere. But then the minute I got my driver's license, my mom was like, wait, wait, um, I like remember it so clearly because we were driving down, you know, 40, old 40, we were driving down 44, which is a freeway in my town. Um, yeah. Which town is this? I grew up in Redding, California. So okay. we're in California. It's a smaller, small city. And then I grew out, like I lived outside of it. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we're driving down and all of a sudden my mom was like, wait, I don't have to take you to the barn for your writing lessons. Like you can drive yourself. Oh, you're going to drive yourself. So can you drop me off at home? Like, bye. I literally had had my driver's license 20 minutes. <laughs> like, you know, you're like, peace out. She's um, like, freedom. <laughs> yeah. But I also then, um, you know, and I, I tended to be pretty responsible for my own schedule because of being on homeschool. And then because I also wanted to do so many things that once I got my license, I then also was in charge of you know, just making sure I got everywhere I needed to go on time mm. and that that was my own responsibility rather than my parents. You yeah, know, so that's I, really interesting um, that you then had kind of that shift of independence in your life right when you were able to take yourself to do all these things and you stayed committed to them. Have you always been someone that finishes what they start? For the most part, I think yes. Um, yeah. I have a hard time with things being incomplete. So uh, I definitely, yeah, I think so. Even if it takes me like a really long time to finish it, it will get done. It's just kind of might not get done as quickly as I'd like. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So you had all these extracurriculars and I love how it really shaped your social life and your social self and your sense of self. Yeah. Um, and then you went into college and realized, oh, I can, I could do this particular facet. Um, when you started learning more about costume design, what what were the things that popped up that were so creative and so enthralling for you that you wanted to continue to do it? Um, well, you know, I, what I love about costume design is it really kind of brings in all the different aspects of kind of my personality. So um, like, for example, so I get to do this like really deep brooding thinking rumination about like, who are these characters and why would they do what they're doing? And you know, what's, um, let's say like, what's their thought process and their story and their journey. And then I get to look at a bunch of images and oftentimes I then do other research. So then I'm also reading about things that I maybe wouldn't have picked up because they didn't pertain to something I was doing, but now I'm, you know, I'm thinking of this play that I did where it was about domestic violence and I, wanted to understand more about domestic violence and the world of these characters. And so it went down this, you know, rabbit hole of talk, like listening to women talking about their experience. And this woman who wrote the book, um, dangerous love or Mm -hmm. dangerously in love. I, it was a Ted talk. She said, I never thought of myself as a battered woman, Mm -hmm. regardless of like I mean the guy did like poured coffee grinds over her head Mm. like before she was walking out the door for an interview and you know pushed her down the stairs and she was like I never saw myself as a battered woman I saw myself as a really strong woman in love with a deeply deranged man and that's such a different perspective than our social narrative for women in you know for people in abusive relationships so you know, I immediately brought that back and shared that with the cast and crew. And so, you know, you then end up, the work ends up opening up your eyes to new perspectives and new, if you're doing it right, you're really 
asking yourself each world that you're creating on camera is a different, you know, or even on stage, like they're different worlds and they're worlds you're building from scratch, even if they mm -hmm. are the ones that are set today and in this moment, we're, you know, building a whole new reality that doesn't exist beforehand. And so I love this conversation that we have with the research process of both the images that we look at as well as the actual like psychology behind it or if it's a historical piece the history that goes into it and understanding why a period is like what it was and the cultural psychology that went into it versus what we then put on the people and how those those two relate to one another yeah so there's this very much like educational learning piece of the design process and then you go into like doing it right and then there's this creative aspect of then also you know if you're doing renderings and getting to sketch and have renderings and if you're doing something that's fantasy and sci-fi kind of like letting yourself have this like really big play moment with that same with i mean anything you can really play with and then then once you've signed off on those designs with the director and the producers then you're moving forward and you're looking for the actual pieces out in the world to then create this so then it becomes this kind of scavenger hunt treasure hunt yeah to, you know, find the right things. And there's this very physical aspect to it then of like actually physically going out and finding things and gathering them and putting racks and clothes together. And it's this three-dimensional sculpture that we're building. And in that, you know, and then you get in a fitting room and you're having conversations about what this character is and looking at the details and, you know, then addressing, okay, now where you've got the, the actor in the conversation, you know, if they're not cast before the design process, then you're then bringing them in and saying like, here's where we talked about. Now let's talk about what your needs are and what you see as the character and let's bring that in. And right. so it's this like wonderful process of thinking and researching and it can be very expansive, like an open up your horizons and your eyes and like very much a process of, you know, you want to have empathy as a costume designer for uh, an understanding for every character you tell a story to. I always think of Robert De Niro where Robert De Niro had this thing that this also like really affected me as a girl um, mm -hmm. and as a per as a person and as a creative, but Robert De Niro said to me, he goes, or not to me, but said to everybody uh, <laughs> on, uh, but I'm like, yes, he said it He's just to me. To me. <laughs> he was speaking to me at this moment through actor, like the master class, um, yeah. actor's master class, but that someone asked him, why do you play such, you know, how do you play such horrible characters, you know, looking at the Godfather and Taxi and all that stuff. Right. And he said, well, everybody does what they feel is justified in the moment. And that if out of all the options in front of them, that is the best one or the only one that they can see. And so, for whatever reason it's justified and that it's not, you know, and that having understanding for that was like really important. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. So like, I think it's like, it definitely affects like how I go about life. I'm not always perfect at sticking with that, but like, you know, that affected my life thing. And then it really affected how I approach, you know, my conversations with actors and directors and like looking at these characters and who they are and finding like finding something about every character that you like and you love because we all make choices in our lives that 
we are and are not happy about. And yeah. they, you know, and that affects us as who we are. And so that's my job as a costume designer. Yeah, I think that's very beautiful. And thank you for outlining all of that. I'm curious how costume design um, and how going through this process, this basically Mm -hmm. character dissection Mm -hmm. has influenced how you view people outside of the costume world. Like, are you looking at people's costumes are wearing outside in general and, and everything we're wearing in and building characters around that? How, how does, how has it changed your perspective on people in general? Yeah, I really value, it's funny, I've had conversations about this. So I, with like other designers, I really value the individuality that you see with how people wear their clothes, because it's not about you know, especially when we're doing contemporary, we're going out and we're buying clothes and at the stores and then we are putting them on bodies and you're like, great, I bought the shirt and these pants and this jacket and like the shoes and there you go. But that's not it. It's also about how we wear them, right? And how how we, you know, is the jacket tight around our waist because it's too warm? Is the jacket, you know, just hanging over our shoulders because we couldn't be bothered to you know, put our arms in it, uh, you know, or in a, one of my colleague's son says, or are we like being rich, right? Like rich ladies wear their, their jackets yeah. and blazers over their shoulders, right? That was his, his perception <laughs> as a teenager, you know? So, you know, it becomes, how are we wearing this? And so I love to look at everyday people and see how they wear things and also how they put things together because people walk out the door and they're like, yes, I look great right now. Or like, I look okay. Like this is passable or whatever is going on in their mind. Right. Because my professor in grad school used to say our clothes are our barrier between our personal self, like our private self, like our naked self, and then the public self. Right. So we put on these clothes to, and we, especially like we have our leisure wear that we maybe wear at home that nobody ever sees us in that a lot of people are wearing right now (laughs) yeah and that like everyone's like oh shoot now people are starting to see this or we have our um you know our going out and doing our job and being at work look or our social looks yeah social clothes and so you know these are all about these kind of avatars and personas that we're putting out in the world and you know, as a costume designer, it's my job to help make those instinctual, you know, uh, moments for the viewer and the audience to understand who these characters are and to bring a deeper level and to really help round out who this character is and how we see them and how they relate to the world that they live in, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can really tell a lot about a character by just whether or not they're like the people around them or if they are different from the people around them. Yeah. I'm curious um, how this relates to female characters that Mm -hmm. you've helped um, design and um, what are some trends that you've noticed with female characters in general? It sounds like you've worked across the spectrum um, in, on various projects, but what are some things that have really popped out to you when creating this, um, this character um, for various women. Yeah. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about designing stuff for women is it's definitely been a changing shift in the actual kind of characters being represented. Mm. So you're getting much more of a 
uh, you're getting more deeply thought out characters versus, you know, often like side, you know, side points. Yeah. So, uh, so that is great because we're getting to do more interesting things with telling women's stories. You know, I think a large part of, I mean, my job is, you know, also film and filmmaking and what I do as a creative is a visual art based in literature. So I'm also very much tied to the script and tied to how we're depicting the script and how we're depicting the stories. So I always kind of, you always have to start with the script of who's this character in the story and what do they need? And then, you know, it's always about trying to find a way to really bring out something that's positive. And I also feel really strongly that as a costume designer, unless an actor wants it personally, like I don't like to, I don't like to start at a place of sexualizing a woman's body Yeah, because, you know, we're, you know, we, we, everybody does it anyways, regardless of gender, right? We see an attractive man if we're interested in men and we're like, damn boy, that's the same as, you know, <laughs> a guy being like, damn girl, like, yeah. ow, ow, that's the same. So we all do yeah. that. We don't necessarily need to hypersexualize, you know, a woman playing a detective on camera. Like that maybe like we can kind of dress her in a way that's comfortable for her and- Right. less about her body and more about her character as a person right and so I think like in that sense like that's something I'm personally like very conscious of and also like only using you know the sexualization of the body when it's needed for the story rather than as a given and like there's definitely some shows where you look at what people are wearing and you're like cool the producer is definitely and push that or somebody pushed this really hyper sexualized you know female and you're like mm-hmm. that's real like in the job of the character like that's realistic okay like yeah um, well we see it all the time in film and media and there are different you know there are various documentaries like a misrepresentation that is that's talking about these images that we're seeing um have there been shifts that you've noticed recently in your world on dressing women and uh, like you said the um the man you mentioned said rich women wear their blazers (laughs) over their shoulders or um you know, have there been shifts that you've seen that have directly impacted the work that you have done? Yeah, I mean, the shifts really come from the new characters being portrayed, right? right. Like my, I mean, if there is a housewife written into the script and she's, you know, just a housewife and there for, you know, dialogue and not really there, like there is a plot point in somebody else's story it's a lot harder for me to I can do my best to bring out more and make a deeper character with the actor but the script has written it such where she doesn't she's a kind of like a whatever character versus something where you know I'm like on blind spot we just did it's airing now and Mm -hmm. um season five and you know the main characters are all you know, there's a lot of women that are strong women and they're doing really cool and interesting things. And, you know, that we have to show that in the stories of actually who the characters are, you know, but if somebody writes like, she's a sexy waitress, like, okay. Like that's, that's really more of like the problem starts really with the script there and the stories that we tell. And then yeah. 
trying, you know, and again, like I can only address it with how do I make, you know, I like to try to also avoid any sort of like when dealing with the things happening with character and telling stories and telling women's stories and women's perspective, I do like to come from a, um, I do like to avoid archetype, like too many archetypes, right? Yeah. And really make, instead of making characters that are cookie cutter, you know, this is what us, you know, because I think also one of the dangers of costume design is people can rely too heavily on stereotypes and archetypes. And then you become like, this is the cookie cutter of what a farmer looks like and what a doctor looks right. like and what a scientist looks like. And you then are stripping them of the individuality. And I think that's really important. Like you could start there and say like, okay, this is what, let's look at photos of doctors at work. Now let's look at these photos and feel like, okay, what are the interesting little details that the, this person wears, right? Like, oh, look, this, they've got like a little necklace or they've got this, like they've got a couple bracelets around them or, you know, around, you know, or some earrings that are interesting. So it just becomes like, you know, it's funny. I went, I had a, a medical procedure done and I actually, my doctor was in her full scrubs and she had her earrings on and I was like, wow. oh, I love your earrings. And she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm wearing them. So I forgot. And then like, <laughs> she came back later and was like, I shouldn't have these on in the, in the OR. Like that's not professional. And I was like, Oh, I thought it looked cool. Um, <laughs> right. Like, cause you're getting that sense of her personality. You're getting the yeah. human connection of yeah. what made her, her. And, yeah. um, I really want to talk about what moments have really challenged you in your career. I know you have mm. studied, been studying since college and you mentioned that you went to grad school, um, and that you've worked on a number of projects. What have been some of your most challenging moments? You know, navigating the human relationship is always the hardest part. I think of any yeah. job and any workplace and, you know, asking questions and, you know, it's like, oh, I'm like, all right, which one do I want to start with is my thought. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's the actual like act of like learning how to do your job, right? So there's always that of like, yeah. you know, I always feel like I'm always constantly growing and learning on the job and challenging my skill set. So there's that side of like the learning and growing part, but then there's the part of like, how do you manage expectations and how do you, you know, when you get negative feedback or you fail, how do you internalize that? Do you internalize that? How do you hold the people that give you that criticism? How do you hold the criticism itself? Like what is, you know, what is it that you, you know, I have moments of my career where I literally have heart palpitations when I think about mm. them. You know, I once was early on in my union part, like I'm a member of USA 829, which is the union in New York. Mm. And so I started shopping and I got asked to shop for somebody and I was really excited. And it was right when I had started my garment bag company. So I was like, this is the job I've been waiting for, like opportunity to like shop for people and just kind of come in and shop when they need extra help, but then like be able to work on my company at the same time. And, yeah. you know, then in this time, I like, I just failed miserably that day. I also realized that I had, I didn't ask the right questions because I didn't ask the right questions. That was definitely my problem. And I got a little too in my head about the choices I was making. I got very nervous. So I was second guessing myself. And, and then I also took, you know, the measurements that the costume coordinator had sent me and or given me and like didn't write them out in how I needed to write them out and I didn't take the time that I normally take to write my list out and like get really clear and 
right sizes next to things and just make it so that basically my, you know, I have to turn everything into a to-do list and, right. and a checklist and in some ways glorified errand running. And so I'm, you know, I didn't do that process for myself. So then this day ended up crashing and burning and I ended up, you know, not delivering at the standard and the level I like to deliver at, you know, and I didn't, and then having someone really mad at me who was like, now I have to come in tomorrow and work. And I was like, well, let me help you. I can help like make it faster. And they were like, basically like, I don't ever want to see you again. And it was like, okay, like this is bad. (laughs) Like this is really, really, really bad. And you know, at the beginning of your career, that feels so devastating. And I still, like I said, I still get heart palpitations from that. And that was five years ago. Right. Well, Um, there are those moments that stick with you in your career where you, you have that failure and maybe that person will never, ever remember it, but it stays with you. Um, What did you learn from that? How did you, how did you take that lesson and move it along? Well, I learned what to ask for. You know, I, um, I had never been on a job. I, I had shopped on another job, but like I'd always shop with people I knew versus somebody new and not knowing, you know, so I hadn't really worked with this team before and I'm being asked to shop and I just realized like questions that I should have asked of, you know, just the resources and the help that I needed to do the job. You know, I had a lot of clothes to buy and I needed to be able to go in and get out and I wasn't. I didn't have the help for that. So like I didn't have somebody, a car to then dump all the shopping in. I had to lug it from store to store until a PA could come and meet me. I could dump it with them in a cab and then they could like take it back to the shop. Yeah. So that slowed me down and also limited my ability to buy things because I can only carry so much. And so it was just kind of not asking for the help that I needed or getting really clear on how I was going to need things to go. Yeah. That was the. Right. Being an advocate for yourself and. Yeah. And understanding that advocating for yourself isn't a bad thing. (laughs) Right. And also that I'm like advocating for myself is also just being realistic with people about managing expectations of like, okay, you want me to buy, you know, a six foot rack of clothes for seven people that, you know, that's a lot of clothing. And I'll tell you right now, like, even now I'll say like, that's a very high, tall order for somebody and that's giving them a car. And, you know, I shop really fast and I'm able to do that. But like now, but at the beginning of my career, that would have, that's like, oh my gosh. So you need more resources. Yeah. yeah, And like knowing that now I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. um, I can kind of also be a little kinder to myself with that memory, but it still is like, okay, we've got to ask the questions that we need, need. And you know, and you might not know what you need. So the other thing was like, I didn't realize I needed these things. And it wasn't until I finished this day and failed miserably that I then realized that I didn't ask the questions that I needed to ask because I just had never been in this situation before. So, um, you know, learning to ask those questions can come before or after the situation and then just being willing to then ask those questions next time and know that, you can handle it better in the future and just take it as a learning moment. Right. I mean, I think what you're also talking about is that failure is necessary and needed and essential in order for you to learn. And it's not always fun, but 
how how would you have known if you didn't know the questions to ask unless you failed and now you do know and you know how important it is to advocate for yourself um I love that so much and and I think that is something we can all relate to having those moments of failure and being like oh my gosh why didn't I see this so clearly um I wanted to go back a little bit and because you were talking about terms like costume coordinator and shopping, what are, what does the costume department look like? Like what people are you working with in yeah. your role? So it depends on the role of what, who you work with. So you have every costume department, you have your costume designer and they're in charge of overseeing the total aesthetic of the clothes you see on camera. And they are a part of building the character and then they oversee and manage the rest of the department so you then have two branches you have the wardrobe department which is its own department but works underneath the costume designer and like works with the costume designer and they implement the design on the day so their job is to you know set rooms up and take care of maintain the costumes and do any alterations that need to happen and then you have the costume design branch and the assistant costume designer so and the assistant costume designer's job is to help facilitate the design process. So that's researching, you know, gathering resources, whether it's like actual clothes, whatever it is that we need to then achieve, you know, the design, whether it's cl- actual clothing pieces, um, costume rentals, or, you know, materials and fabrics and stuff to make things. Got it. As well as you know, if you need a graphic that then needs to be put on a shirt, are you making it in your department or is it something that's being made by the production design department and their graphic artist? And so then you need to then get that graphic to then make custom shirts, mm-hmm. you know? So it, and then you have, so then you have like the assistant costume designer who's helping oversee that all of that's getting done and facilitating the designer however the designer needs and wants to be facilitated and then you have yes a shopper or like a second assistant and they they report to the assistant costume designer and the costume designer about what they're doing and what they're you know and again all of these departments kind of vary in how the actual workflow goes and responsibility goes because it depends on how the costume designer likes to work and what the costume designer needs so that can definitely change like when you're you know working under other people and then you have a costume coordinator which is a new york position and that's someone who is sole purpose is to oversee all the the accounting for your department and for the costume department and tracking of all of the assets that we purchase as well as you know, all the receipts and all that paperwork that then has to get turned into production. They also oversee the PAs where production assistants for costumes and will then work with them in terms of managing incoming shopping and checking that in and then also checking it out and like packing it up for returns and then doing the return process, like taking things back to the stores. So you know, the, you want your, you know, so there's a kind of a lot that goes into the overall kind of work of that, but that's a basic kind of, um, structure of a costume design department and who does what. Interesting. When you first started doing this and you got your first job, what did that feel like? 
I was really cool. I mean, I, I was right out of grad school and I got a play. I mean, when I first started, I was doing like a lot of theater. And so, you know, I was designing a lot of shows and working for very little and <laughs> trying to eke a living by and make some momentum. And so, uh, yeah, so I felt great. I mean, it was interesting. It was like, but then also scary. You know, I kind of yeah. say like things were terror exciting because it's like, you know, terrifying and exciting how I like got this responsibility to do this. And then also, but then I really want to do it right and do it well. And, you know, I, I want to get another job. So I want this to look good. And, you know, um, that's a very different industry than others, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, on the juxtaposition of all of this creative costume design work, like I mentioned, I have a garment bag company that yeah. kind of was born out of this. I'm designing all these projects in my living room and Queens at the time um, and now Brooklyn and I am having a hard time keeping everything organized and wanting it to be easy to see and like to be able to see the everything you know the entire outfits come together as I'm buying the jewelry and buying the shoes and doing the fittings and then you know not being able to see things because it was all super squished in my apartment and bags of stuff being left behind because they didn't fit into the garment bag or they got, you know, somebody forgot to put them in to like what, you know, these garment bags that are out there and they're all in like Ziploc baggies and you kind of like have to use Ziploc baggies <laughs> with like your jewelry in it and you pin it to things. And so I just found it very hard to navigate and to see what I was doing because things would be jumbled at the bottom of all these different bags. And then, so I created this garment bag company that, organizes your entire outfit from head to toe. So there's pockets for your jewelry and your accessories and your shoes. It's called set ready, go bags. And that was this kind of need. So all of a sudden in my like journey as a creative, I then put in a very, like I put in a product as part of it. So then had to learn, yeah. you know, so part of my journey as a person over the last five years has been not only getting better as a costume designer and getting, you know, further in the industry. So working on major network television shows, but then also balancing that with this new, like learning about being an entrepreneur and learning about business and challenging my limiting beliefs around that to then create this product company and something that's a very different world from what I, what I know and what comes to me now as second nature. So, yeah, I wanted um, to talk to you about the garment bag company and yeah. I know that you're saying it spurred out of this frustration yeah. of not having resources that you need yeah. um, and that you needed throughout your career. Um, when you started working on this, what did that look like? And what does that look like now as you're moving forward? When I started working on set ready, I, I mean, I was, I made like the original prototypes in my living room um, by myself uh, out of PVC yeah. that I like, you know, vinyl that I had bought in the garment district. And, you know, I was just kind of figuring things out and then running around asking questions and getting feedback. And, uh, you know, and I, I think like one of the things that's great about being a costume designer is I'm very used to people telling me that they don't like something, you know, and mm. that something doesn't work for them and not taking it personally. You know, I, I don't really, I end up, 
I never really care if you like what I do. I care whether it does its job. Right. I care whether it functions or not for the story. And if it doesn't function for the story, sometimes I get a little exasperated because I'm like, oh my God, I don't have time for this. But then at the end of the day, like it's about whether or not it works. So when yeah. it comes to doing product design and creating and like, you know, and also like this entrepreneurial lifestyle of like, well, I don't know when I'm going to get paid next. It's like, well, I already don't know where I'm gonna get, when I'm going to get paid next. And I'm already used to being told things don't work and having to fix them and change things last second. So all of those things were already a part of my life. So what became really hard is how do you go into manufacturing? Mm-hmm. How do you find a good manufacturer? And that is when you're creating a product, the most important part of your product is what's who's your manufacturer how do they how, what's your relationship like with them and what's the price point because if yeah. the price point's too high it doesn't matter how great your product is you can't sell it at a marketable price yeah how and did you tackle those issues i feel like we're still working on it we got really hit we got hit pretty badly with the um the tariffs the new tra- trade mm-hmm. tariffs so you know, we kind of fell in on the products that got like a 25% tax increase. So wow. then that had to translate to, to my customer, which then all, because there's just no way that I can stay open. But then that also means that all of my wholesale had to stop because right. I can't afford to really do any more wholesale. So, you know, that's, that's like, and you know, we had gotten, you know, I've been in a couple of major retailers and that's devastating to be told yeah. like, oh my God, I just got to, you know, this store can't take us on right now because our price point's too high. And until I can knock down $10 from my actual costs so that I can actually do this and do better than break even, then like I can't sell. So yeah it's still a tackle and like we're a small company and I'm doing this on the side. Cause I also realized I started set ready as a, in service of my garment, I mean, sorry, in service of my costume design career. Like this is my life's passion. I love what I do. I started yeah. a podcast, like you mentioned, like I about it, like called designing the void. And I like to talk about film design. So I talk with other people about it. like, it's my life's passion that like gets me excited and, makes me super stoked. So I never wanted to leave the industry to make a product. And it's definitely an industry where you walk away, it gets a lot harder. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what's on your resume. If you take a break from it, it gets really hard to get hired again. Yeah. So I know that I don't want to walk away from this industry for that reason, as well as, um, you know, so that means that then set ready to side project and kind of coming to terms with that has also been a part of the journey of like, okay, this isn't, uh, paying off in the way I thought, but I've learned a lot as a person and I, you know, I'm not giving up because I think probably the going back to like what we were talking about before, like, I don't like incompletion. I like things to be completed. So yeah. I'm not complete with this yet. So until this, I'm complete with this, I, I don't think I'll stop. I was going to say it's, it's related to that incompletion. And then also um, when you have failures that pop up or moments of failure yeah. or times that you 
encounter a disappointment, just like you mentioned when you were having that um, shopping experience, you did not know the questions to ask. You did not know um, that this was the way to prepare for this. Um, so when you're starting your own venture and you're starting your own garment bag company um, and Set Ready Go is happening and you're faced with all of these tariffs and wholesale um, disruptions, I do think that's a complete reflection of what you've been talking about, you know, previously, mm -hmm. that how, how do you know until you take action, until you do it? Um, I'm curious, were you afraid to take action in starting your own company? I mean, you've been in this costume design world for so long, and you decided to create a solution. Um, was there a moment of fear and how did you break through that if there was? Yeah. So such a good question. I, there's, so I'm kind of the person who's like, I just kind of go like, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to jump right into doing it. <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I totally I wasn't that. thinking about this. Uh, but so I tend to kind of be, I'm that kind of person, but that being said, like, I have, you know, I mean, like, I've had to deal with a lot of crazy stuff since I started this company. Like, I had a manufacturer who tried to scam me out of $250,000, and oh, like, God. you know, that would have destroyed me. And so I'm so lucky that that didn't happen. And, you know, I then had to put, you know, push reset on everything and then yeah. you know and I think that it's funny I'm like I don't actually know if I would have done this differently in the sense mm -hmm. of like this is where I was when I started and this is where I am now and I've grown a lot as a person and there have been some really 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 hard moments and I think that you know and I'm also you know the biggest thing is when you hit them is hitting, you know, looking at dealing with them head on and getting a good support system around you. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure if I've, I mean, it's so funny. I, I don't, it's just, uh, now it's becoming more of this kind of fun curiosity to me about my product and like this fun curiosity of like, what can I do? So like in this yeah. time of COVID, you know, I can't, be on set so what am I gonna do you know I can't do a photo shoot it's not safe so right. what am I gonna do for you know product so or for product photography so I've ordered some mannequins and I'm gonna like kind of stretch my creative skills there and you know realizing like I really like the marketing and, and like advertising side of of the industry so you know and I do that already so like falling in love with that and allowing that to be the thing that I'm falling in love with and focusing on versus going out there and being like, how do I make more money? Like I, right. I have to make more sales, have to make more sales, have to make more sales. So yeah, it sounds like you're embracing the passion that you have or embracing the creativity. Um, and those sales, those moments will follow because it sounds like that's what you've done in the past. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, you mentioned support systems. Um, yeah. 
who, who's your support system? Who, you know, what allies have you found and who's helped you grow throughout your career and then in this new adventure and your podcast and, you know, you have so many facets in your life that you want to tap into who have been some allies and support systems for you. So, so many people. Um, I mean, my parents have always stuck by me with all of this and are like, we just had a really vulnerable call on Sunday where I was like, I need to talk to you guys about some stuff and like, you know, knowing that I'm really working this year is my goal to like get financially on my feet and like kill my credit card debt. And so, you know, having that vulnerable conversation about that and like needing support and, you know, looking at what that could be. So uh, having those kind of like, so they've been fantastic. My roommate is like, my big cheerleader champion friend and like she's been we've been friends since we started costume design together so like we've known she's been through a lot so i think just having a couple of those really good friends that you could talk to and also breaking out of you know my design industry and meeting people in the business industry and learning that world and that language and you know i i think that that's also been important and i'm also a part of like communities that i of costume designers and filmmaker is that I like to help and be supportive to and in in return they always kind of champion me and that's really great you know yeah. so we kind of champion one another and I think that's super super important just that's great um, yeah. yeah what advice would you give to people who are entering into both the costume world first and then the entrepreneurial world well I would say that as a costume designer, you are an entrepreneur. So you have to really think about your work as a business because nobody else will. Uh, you know, you're, it is a hired position, but also you're looking, you are in charge of the trajectory of your career and your role in that, just like you are when you're an entrepreneur, right? You're in charge of where you go with what you do. And I think that I mean, it's funny. My advice always tends to be more like reach out to the people that you want to talk to. Like the one thing I am really grateful for is, I mean, it's interesting, like being able to say that I got my garment bags, you know, we're sold in the container store. Yeah. So being able to say like that and then like having that in my back pocket and I go like, well, and like knowing that like I work at network television, I like, great. I can kind of like talk about these things. Like I built myself this place that now has given me confidence that I can then say to people, well, these things are working or these things are, you know, this is why I can have a little confidence in myself. When you're starting up, that's hard. And I think that it's cultivating it. And even then, like, I don't necessarily know. I think confidence changes also and be aware of that, right? Like when you start out, it's the, I'm not sure if I'm confident about this because I don't know, you know, I'm getting, I'm new to this or, Oh, no, I feel like I'm not really answering the question. No, you definitely are. You're talking about how um, you have to be of both mindsets of, okay, go, go, go. And also learn as much as you can at the same yeah. time and build that confidence. Um, you know, it sounds like you have built your confidence throughout time and you've had that broken at times as well. Um, and obviously you have a lot of confidence in your company that you've created and, and 
in all of these different facets of your life. Um, where has your personal confidence come from and how has that built upon itself? It is still building. <laughs> Great. My confidence is still building. Um, I mean, I mean, so, so about this, like stuff talking about the vulnerability around money and stuff like, and you know, I loved your conversation by the way with Nina about vulnerability. I thought that was super important. So Thank you. if anyone hasn't listened to that, they should definitely go back and listen to that. Thank that, you. uh, you're welcome. Uh, I, you know, I think that kind of cultivating all this stuff, like I said, it's a process and there are certain things that I'm like, I know that I, uh oh, did I lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, weird. I'm just listening. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, the the screen, I hit, I I don't know what happened. Um, I I lost you. So sorry. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) So cultivating confidence. It's one of those things where, I mean, I'm working on it daily and about different things, right? So now I'm pushing to go to another level and telling myself that I can get there or like looking at the financial side of things and being like, I realize I have no confidence, right? Like there's this whole story that I've always been around of like, I'm a creative artist and I make no money and nobody wants to pay me. And like, there's this whole cultural aspect in the creative world that like everybody's trying to take advantage of me and nobody wants to pay me and there is that out there for sure but I also think like you know we we also make these stories that perpetuate it yeah we accept jobs for less than we're we're worth because we accept this idea of you know nobody wants to pay me and they're not going to pay me you know so I think you can definitely there's definitely that aspect, but confidence building is like it, you know, finding that confidence of like asking for what you're worth or knowing that I can put things out in the world. Like this just happened. Um, I've been doing all these webinars lately. And so I'm trying to tell people that I know that, Hey, I'm doing this webinar. Come join me. Like, it's going to be fun. Good conversations, this, that, the other thing. And I feel super salesy about it. And it makes me really uncomfortable. (laughs) And somebody responded and they were like, well, I can't make it, but this, that. And I was like, people hate this. I'm annoying. This is terrible. And I had to like literally walk myself back off the edge and was like, that story. Yeah. And they also like, she responded to me genuinely and like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm just inviting people to come and hang out with me on these online platforms that I'm hanging out on. And if they don't want to come, that's fine. But I would hate for them to say, oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me? Right. Like I feel that way when people don't tell me about something. And so then I'm like, oh, I would have loved to have come. I would have loved to have tried to see if I could fit in my schedule. So, yeah. Yeah. I think what you're talking about is the value that you you present to others and the perception of value that is presented to you. Um, I mean, there have been so many moments where I've invited people to something and I'm like, well, they think I'm selling them something. And, and it's genuinely because I want them to learn and I want them to have this resource and, um, having the confidence to know that that's perfectly fine. And, and you're not, 
you know, thinking about, you're not creating the story in your brain about what they're thinking about you taps so deeply into that vulnerability mm-hmm. and the story of vulnerability that we're saying um, in our minds. And you're talking about those vulnerable conversations that you're having around finances. Um, it seems like you're learning more and more about vulnerability right now in your new ventures and, and you're tapping into this side of yourself that maybe you haven't before. Um, what are some goals that you have for yourself moving forward? Yeah. Uh, well, like my goals for my garment bag company are to, you know, have content for every day for this year. You know, like that is my like current goal is like building out that content and marketing, you know, the media platform for that. And then hopefully getting more sales through that, but also, and, you know, and set ready being it's an independent entity, you know, I've been really, I think it's kind of amazing. I very rarely do hear people like I, my passion, my life passion pays for this entrepreneurial like very like businessy thing that I started yeah you know like my work as an artist pays for this business thing and that to me is kind of amusing you know like, <laughs> most people are like I do business so that I can then yes. do my artsy thing and I'm like no, no I do the so you know that's kind of interesting and so you know it's about kind of getting set ready for me like my goal is like getting set ready so it's serving itself rather than me having to serve it. And then also like my goals as a designer this year to push myself are to pay off my credit card debt that I put into my garment bag company and into my career yeah. and pay off, uh, you know, the, any other debt, you know, my lo- my student loans and really kind of break out this year as a designer and start, you know, being department head on my own, you know, mm-hmm. in films and stuff like that's the goal. So I think like that's kind of where I'm pushing myself and I'm asking the questions that then need to happen. Like, what do I need to do? Who do I need to talk to? How do I need to be in order to get to this place? You know, I, I do find it interesting because I don't know if I necessarily always really resonate. Like I've had some very, like, you're a woman, therefore you'll never get hired conversations. Mm. Like, but I've never really felt that in my normal life. And so it's never something I take into consideration, you know, and same with like, uh, you know, I'm interested in just doing my best work and showing up and being like, see, I can do this. So yeah, uh, that's kind of really where I am as a person. And, and when it comes to like achieving my goals, I, I've always kind of just identified like I'm a person and I'm a human here among other humans. And we're just all doing our own thing trying to make our way and you know being advocates for what we need and that's just a part of you know so that's also part of this journey this year is like how do I advocate for what I need yeah I love what you just said I'm interested in doing my best work and showing up I think that's vital and key and it sounds like that it really is the heart and soul of who you are like I'm interested in doing my best and showing up. And I think that is really hard for some people um, to show up. I think doing the best they can and showing up is not always easy for folks if they're not aligned with their passion. Um, And as we wrap up, um, what 
moments do you, what, what big moment do you want to take with you moving forward into this new chapter? Um, and what do you think people should know about your, your journey that, that you'd want them to understand a little more? I mean, I think the thing I'm taking, taking into my next chapter is like, we get to rewrite, you know, we can rewrite our story at any moment and we can reframe how we see ourselves in any moment. And it's a choice we make. So I think that that's the most important thing in terms of like my journey as a person. And I mean, it's a, I've had like a lot of crazy experiences in my life that I could have easily used as reasons to shut down as a person or like not, you know, not achieve. And people would go like, well, that makes sense. You know, of course you would have given up. Of course this or that. Yeah. And I think like when it comes to the journey of knowing, like I'm getting more confident myself in this, I have the ability to erase the discomfort that I feel. I have the ability to remove and to get rid of things in my mindset that are keeping me from being happy, right? And so I think that when it comes to this journey, I mean, I I also think I've taken a step back um, from the emotional side of it, which has been really helpful. So looking at, you know, we kind of talked about a lot of stuff. Like it's, I have a lot going on in my life. I like it that way, but like, there were a lot of ups and downs in these really big emotional situations that have occurred of like with the garment bag company of like the manufacturer that tried to, you know, scam me out of a bunch of money. Like that was devastating. I lost my manufacturer. I have no company now. What do I do? And now the container store is calling me. What do I do? I can't sell them anything. So, you know, that is, you know, like all of these emotions and then just being able to step back from them and just go, okay, I don't have to let this carry on with me for the future. And I don't, I can address these emotions from more of a, you know, viewer's perspective and know that I can then get rid of and rewrite any of them as they come along that don't sit with me, you know, that are like, that are, I mean, I think there's definitely the question of like, obviously, I, 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 obviously we want to be good people in the world or I say obviously, but maybe that's not obvious. Like, <laughs> you know, I also like, maybe people are, you know, what are the stories that you have that, that are in your world that seem so concrete and so true? And the question is, are they really true? Right. right. So like, that's the work I'm doing and that's what I want to carry forward, but also what I want others to take away from my journey. Yeah. You know, and as I say, I carry it forward. I'm also like, maybe I should also like carry that back into the past. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you know. Well, I think what you're saying is you're always growing and you're yeah. always learning and you're um, evolving and lessons are coming your way left and right. And there are failures and successes and it's all part of the story. And I really cannot thank you enough for sharing your story with us today and sharing your journey and talking more about what drives you and what fuels you and all of these facets of your life. Um, so thank you, Sarah, for being here. And where can people find you? Well, first off, thanks for having me. This was really lovely. So thank you. Um, you can yeah. find me in a few places. You can find me on Instagram. My personal account is 
uh, Sarah Kogan Designs. And then my podcast is Designing the Void. And my garment bags are Set Ready Go Bags on Instagram. So you can kind of find us there. And then the websites are sarahcogan.com, designingthevoid.com, and setreadygarmentbags.com. Perfect. Perfection. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for listening um, to this episode of the Growing Women podcast. And we will see you on the next one. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks.